the dress rehearsal before the final show the dry run before the rocket launch the trailer before the movie the tester before the final cocktail the starter before the main course insert your movie choice here before babenheimer that's right we are previewing the second most anticipated men's cricket tournament in the calendar year asia cup 2023 is almost upon us pakistan are the hosts and i say that with an asterisk that is silent Uh, I'm your host Kaustub, and today we will widen our discussion from India's number four problem, which, let's face it, has been dissected to the far side of the moon and back. Uh, joining me are Vishal Dikshit, who sits right next to me in Mumbai, and Daniel Rasool from Pakistan. Daniel, what's the mood like? Hey, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's let's get into it properly. But for now, uh, the mood's just: Are we really the hosts? <laughs> <laughs> The first question Kausto has asked you is, "What's the mood like for the four games you are hosting out of thirteen?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So we can get into it properly. I mean, uh, I don't think there's ever been a host that's needed to travel as much as Pakistan will in the next two weeks. So we uh, that should be interesting. But yeah, honestly, in all seriousness, uh, it is in a way the biggest tournament Pakistan is hosting uh, since they've returned properly without quite feeling like it. It's a, it's a strange balance. So Pakistan in Pakistan, the feeling is. They've hosted bigger series, even bilateral series against Australia and England were a bigger deal. But officially, yes, it is the Asia Cup, and they host they they uh, they have three or four separate teams playing uh, lots of matches. It's just that because Pakistan are only guaranteed one match against Nepal in Multan, that on its own doesn't feel like as big a deal as perhaps the Asia Cup. The headline Pakistan hosting the Asia Cup should. But yeah, I mean, I think I think the way the tournament pans out um, will determine how it will be remembered once it's done. Over the last couple of years, forget competence, but it has been shown that Pakistan are more than capable of hosting, right? Given the fact that you had the Australia New Zealand come over, right? Uh, two successive PSLs, right? So far, like held properly inside Pakistan, it it feels a bit off, right? You're getting to host just four matches, and like I think still on paper, you're technically still the hosts. Yes, yeah, so. You know, fingers crossed. Touchwood. Um, I think hosting from a security standpoint for now isn't a problem, but yes, um, the tension obviously between India and Pakistan remains. I think India have made their position quite clear, and that makes it tricky because um, that means if one team isn't going to come to Pakistan, then everyone kind of has to travel to where they are, and so it's a bit weird because Pakistan are the hosts, like I said, and they'll have to keep traveling back and forth to Sri Lanka and everyone else. Of shuttles between Pakistan and uh, Sri Lanka, and meanwhile, I think India is just going to be sat in Palakkad or Colombo and just play whichever jet lag team turns up there. Um, so, in that sense, in that sense, I think that could potentially play a part. But for Pakistan, uh, I think there's slight frustration because uh, they aren't getting more games, and there's slight cricketing frustration because I think a lot of people in Lahore and Multan and Karachi would want to watch Pakistan against India. Or even Pakistan against Sri Lanka at the Asia Cup, which might not happen. So I think there's there's mixed feelings in that sense, and I think that sort of kills the hype slightly. If Pakistan against Nepal is a is 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 a big game for Nepal, for example, but for Pakistan, I mean Pakistan Nepal in Maldan might not be the appetizer that you know it could have been if it was you know Pakistan India to kick off an Asia Cup. You know, if I were a Pakistani fan based in Pakistan, I would be really disappointed. Firstly, really excited that a tournament like Asia Cup is coming back. I think it's the first multi-nation tournament that's coming back to Pakistan after 15 years or something. All have been bilateral. The ones that you counted, Daniel, and 
all the teams are coming apart from India, Afghanistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Nepal, of course. And there are three matches in Lahore. But when the tournament is really going to start, Super Force, there's just one match in Pakistan. And if India don't make the final, that match, everybody will think, especially Pakistani fans, that, that, that this match now should have been played in Pakistan. So uh, not just the fact that four matches are only going to be played, there's no Super Four games, sorry, just one Super Four games. It seems like really rawdy in that PCB is getting from we know who. Yeah, just to quickly jump in. So I think in Pakistan, it's just the timing of these two upcoming events that I think rankles them more. So for example, Pakistan think, okay, so Pakistan are going to India for the Asia Cup. And in the end, I think they'll end up playing India at the venue that everyone knows is not Pakistan's first choice. Ahmedabad was not Pakistan's first choice. But Pakistan are going to go and play there. So I think the view from them was, or at least the view from supporters will be, okay, so if Pakistan are going to play there, why not the other way around? And yeah, in some ways that's a fair question, but it's also an indicator of where cricket is. And I think everyone just has to work within the power structure that cricket finds itself in right now. And I think the PCB, to their credit, to some extent, have been pragmatic about it. Um, they've expressed their frustration, but they also know that there's only so much that they can do. It's... They can't really just host an Asia Cup without India and say, well, if you don't want to come, tough, because that's not how TV deals work anymore, especially not in Asia, but probably not anywhere. And I think within those confines, they've tried to get the best deal possible. Um, I'm also not clear on why the final, at least provisionally, isn't being hosted by Pakistan. Maybe something to do again with TV rights. But yeah, as Vishal said, the perception here is, yes, that Pakistan's getting a bit of a raw deal. So, like, uh, if you want to focus on the cricket, right, at least the players are preparing well, considering that the most recent series for Pakistan, like, given that will be the first team you're going to preview, uh, the first series took place in Sri Lanka. The thought of Fahim Ashraf being added randomly, like, it felt random to me. I'm not sure whether there was, uh, what do you say, there were backroom talks of him being included into the ODI squad at some point or the other, but he has not been in the picture for a while. So, he comes in and... Uh, I want to also bring up the fact that like you brought up Pakistan have a polo problem, right? So we'll take it like uh, step by step. Like firstly, uh, addition of Fahim Ashraf, does that solve the all-rounder issue of Pakistan? Um, so, you know, there have been some management changes in Pakistan over the past two or three months. And we've had a new manager and a new selector and a new advisor to selectors. And there are two camps in Pakistan and they firmly, as I understand it, belong to a camp where... They're fans of Fahim Ashraf. I think for all his technical uh, limitations, even his cricketing limitations, they think he plays the game the right way and he plays in a certain aggressive fashion that at least indicates that he's he's pulling along with the team in the same way that they want. They want Pakistan to be more aggressive. They want Pakistan to be, um, uh, I guess, less fearful than they have been in ODI cricket sometimes. And I think Fahim Ashraf ticks that box. What he doesn't take, unfortunately, is any ODI experience of late. And the T20 experience that he's been picked off um, is is patchy. So in that sense, it's a bit of a gamble. There's no doubt about that. But then again, he's a pace bowling all-rounder to some extent, even though he batted at nine the other day. Um, but he's a pace bowling all-rounder. Pakistan don't have too many of those. And so he's nice to... I think, I think you could classify him as a nice-to-have rather than an essential. For example, even at the Asia Cup, I don't think he'll play every game. He's not going to play every game at the World Cup. But I think there will be occasions when maybe they want an extra spinner or maybe they are going with one batsman light and they really just want to balance the side. And then you just chuck him in there. 
I'm a Fahim Ashraf fan. Like from whatever I remember, from what three years ago, no, at least uh, when he like last properly played for Pakistan, like I've always been wondering why he has been dropped. So I'm glad he's been brought back in. The polo problem, right? So this is with reference to the piece that you wrote. I think after the series was done, midway, I think. Oh no, actually, before, actually before the series. But yeah, I mentioned it again in during the series because it became apparent. Yeah, so uh, I don't think it's apparent. So basically, uh, for those who haven't read it, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, that includes me. <laughs> basically it's like the polo mint right uh, there's no middle uh, daniel is positing that pakistan have a middle order problem i argue against it purely because if you have a top four like what they have hmm. right what you have what fakar zaman imamullah babar rizwan okay and shadab coming in at what seven yes right that's just two people that need to sort themselves out which pakistan have the resources for it's not much of a problem as i think and given that they have added sort shakil into the squad and they've added uh, agasaman agasaman has been playing so i think it sorts itself out and it, it sorted itself out before the article came out but like i disagree with you about the fact that they have a problem i think if one from the top four fire that's enough and all four are not going to fail Um yeah so uh, first of all I, when I wrote that piece I wasn't quite sure um uh, if uh, polo is just a south asian cultural reference or does everyone understand it but I thought I'd throw I'd throw it in anyway <laughs> um yeah so my my view on that is uh, partly statistical so you mentioned Rizwan for example Rizwan at four has also been something of a problem to some extent he isn't what I think this is signif- by far his worst form out of the three he's not terrible he always reaches double figures um his strike rate is a bit of a problem but yeah so rizwan aside from that half century scored in the third match has also had some form issues in odi cricket the other issue is purely statistical so i've been badgering some but our stats guy about this for the last year every time i write a back and piece about this i make sure i have some stats in and i think they don't really change so between the end of the last world cup but in this world cup cycle essentially pakistan have consistently been the side who rely most on their top 3 so for example in the last 4 years pakistan 65% of pakistan's odi runs come from fakhar imam and babar and no other side uh, comes close to 55% i think afghanistan is number 2 probably helped by that 200 runs stand the other day but afghanistan is number 2 and i think everyone else is around the 40 45 to 50 mark and pakistan is two thirds Two-thirds of Pakistan's runs come from the top three, and in individual matches, you see that play out, especially when they're chasing. There was a game against South Africa. I think they're two hundred for two, and then in the end, they're two seventy for eight and stumble over the line um, with off the last ball or something. Against Australia in that series, they won the match. They lost. I think Imam and Fakhar took them to two seventy. Imam and Babar took them to two seventeen for one or something, and then they collapsed. I think lost their last nine wickets for thirty runs. against Afghanistan the other day there was no reason for Nasim Shah to hit the winning runs because Pakistan were again comfortably blessed and that's played out a lot in Pakistan because yes Rizwan sometimes has been a bit unreliable Agasalman is encouraging but he's relatively new so it remains to be seen how impactful he'll be um the, but like i said the top 3 world class the bottom 3 the three pace bowlers world class and so Shada But then that does leave a bit of a gap somewhere for teams to exploit, and it places a lot of pressure on the top three, especially if they're chasing a big total. That's my view on it, and I think I think to some extent the numbers back that up. So you mean to say that whether they are batting first or bowling first, or let's say if they are chasing 300, which is not uncommon in ODIs anymore at all, even if they are 130 for two or three in 20 overs, 
which is a really good run rate and the score on paper is not that bad but it sounds like a bad score to get in for Pakistan 100% partially because uh, especially Babar and Imam but to some extent all three they back so much that the middle orders almost untested I think the Pakistan middle orders also faced fewer balls than any middle order of the top 8 at least maybe even the top 10 in this World Cup cycle so you don't really know what they're capable of to some extent as well but then Pakistan have had like I mentioned, these individual games, lots of games, especially when they're chasing, when they lose a couple of wickets and the middle order is exposed and the problems just suddenly pile up. And um, I think when you amplify that with the pressure of an Asia Cup or especially a World Cup, um, when they're chasing the score, um, I, I I can see that becoming a problem. Yeah. So yeah, then obviously their top three and top four will not take as much risk in the first uh, even 30-35 overs, yeah. who knows, and that brings the run rate down and then you are behind the game already, even if yes. uh, the required rate is under control. Yeah, so what you saw against Afghanistan was kind of a microcosm of that problem, I think, in that second ODI. One name we haven't discussed, and I don't know how good he is in ODIs, you can tell me, Iftikhar Ahmed, who plays so well in T20Is, and he hasn't played as many games in ODIs. Is he one of the options to fix one of these issues in the middle order? I think he's one of the people that Pakistan constantly turn to because he's, he looks like he should be a good option. But once again, um, I should get the numbers in front of me, but uh, his form in T20s and T20 franchise leagues just doesn't. There's no evidence of that translating properly to ODI trade. You can almost see him change his approach in the way he plays. And uh, I think especially off late, there's one game, I think, uh, against... New Zealand in Karachi where he scored I think an unbeaten 94, 95 or something and yeah, his one Pakistan that he, yes, that, that's his highest score but then that is also his only half century I think he doesn't have any other score above 35 in the 14 or 15 games that he's played and he's been patchy when he's played those games as well against Afghanistan um, again the last two winning, the two games he played Humber Dota, I think he was unconvincing um, his strike rate wasn't really what it needed to be um, especially in that second game when Pakistan might have needed to up the IT a bit, it was Shadab who needed to take that risk, those sorts of risks because Iftikhar wasn't. Um, so yeah, once again, there's a bit of a drop-off when it comes to the longer format with Iftikhar as well, which I think he keeps getting selected because people are surprised there shouldn't be that drop-off. He seems like that perfect transition player, but for now that hasn't really materialized and yeah, that's maybe a bit of a problem. It sounds a lot like Sky. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Any Indian listeners uh, who are still listening to this podcast, he's Pakistan's Suri Kumar Yadav. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad comparison, actually. But like, I, to close it off, right, I think it's uh, decent prep uh, regardless, right? To go 3-0, uh, it's a series sweep, sure. Almost every match scenario you can think of played out. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, the first two games were in Hamid Torta where there won't be any Asia Cup games, but I don't think there's that bigger difference between the venues that they'll play in and Humber Dota for Pakistan to say they haven't had practice. They've had good practice. As you said, lots of scenarios played out. Pakistan were tested. Pakistan batted first. Pakistan fielded first. Pakistan chased. Pakistan um, uh, had to maybe were tested against Afghanistan's top order. So, yeah, I think, I, I think in that sense, they couldn't have asked for better practice. And neither could Afghanistan, honestly. I think in batches, they themselves very well. Um, so I think, yes, uh, good prep and yeah, now we move on to the big thing. The next team I'm going to talk about, right, like Afghanistan, they lost 3-0, but it's not like uh, they didn't fight in every single match, right? Like they will also take away a lot of positives from it. Uh, and uh, like they're also coming into this having beaten Bangladesh in Bangladesh uh, 
in ODIs, which is something only England have done in the last what de- decade or so. Yeah, maybe ten. So like this ODI side is uh, a force to reckon with, and it's coming together. But mm-hmm. something just doesn't match. Apart from the openers and maybe uh, the bowlers, that's it. We mentioned the um, uh, the fact that obviously they beat Bangladesh and Bharat. You also have to remember they are, I think, the last side to beat Sri Lanka. Uh, they lost 2-1 in a series to Sri Lanka, but they also beat Sri Lanka in Ambantur. That's, that's Sri Lanka's last loss. Uh, I, I wouldn't be too worried about Afghanistan. I think against Pakistan, sometimes they they sort of overperform. Pakistan are now the number one branch side in the world. But then that inconsistency to some extent is going to be there. I think to some extent, maybe I haven't explored this with Afghanistan as much as Pakistan. Like I said, Afghanistan are the side that relies on the top three, the second most after Pakistan. So I think maybe there's a bit of a problem there. Maybe that problem is going to become more common because teams now play more T20 cricket than ODI cricket. But one of the interesting things that I found out was we all we did this podcast um, with uh, Fernando and Isam and we had to pick an Asian eleven. And the hardest thing that I found was picking actual proper middle-order ODI batsmen, uh, batters. Charita Salanka was, I think, my standard pick. But that's because you don't get too many players who are specialists in ODIs in the middle over. So a lot, a lot of the times when you're picking these sorts of 11s, you just pick top-order batters and just keep demoting them until they fit into that 5-6 slot. They aren't actually proper middle-order batters. And I think that problem in itself might become exacerbated, not for Afghanistan specifically, but for teams in general as that transition from ODIs to T20 sort of takes effect. That's maybe one of the problems that Afghanistan have because they've actually, they're sort of maturing at a time when T20 cricket is the priority. This is, let's face it, there's only a six-month window in four years when ODI cricket is now more valuable than T20 cricket. It's the six months before the World Cup. So these sorts of teething problems, I think, will now be there every cycle. And that's one of the things that Afghanistan are going through. Firstly, I love how the fact that even though you're talking about Afghanistan, Daniel just slipped it in that Pakistan are now the number one team in the world. We, we were done talking about Pakistan. But just one more thing Daniel said. Especially while we're talking about Afghanistan, oh, not any other team. That's going to be clipped up and used. <laughs> it's a kind of the group of death, right? The second group. It's what? Sri Lanka, Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be very tight among all three. I don't know which two will rise to the top. This is, by the way, this is a problem for the Asia Cup. There's a real injustice at the heart of this because this is the second time this has happened. And presumably it's going to happen every time with the Asia Cup because of broadcasters and their desire to have Pakistan and India in one group. So what's going to happen is Pakistan and India are going to come up against, you know, whether it's Singapore or Nepal or whoever's playing that third side. And then you have a group of death every time with Sri Lanka, Bangladesh and Afghanistan with one legitimate contender for the trophy just being eliminated at that first round every time. And I think that's something that maybe the Asia Cup might have to look at with its format. Um, uh, yeah, but that's that's one thing that's probably going to continue to happen. Um, and it's a group of death, of course. Uh, last time, I think with the D20s, one of those three sides could have been eliminated at any one point. Then obviously, there was one side in Sri Lanka from that group that went on to win the whole tournament. So I think, yeah, that's something that we kind of have to get used to in terms of the group of death scenario. But uh, it also means that, you know, one really good game, you improve your net run rate, you could just get through to the next round quickly and eliminate a real rival in the process. I think uh, for Afghanistan to make it to the next stage, their job might have been made a little bit easier by Sri Lanka. How many injuries have been coming up in the Sri Lankan camp? Obviously, we'll go deeper into that squad a little later. But the fact that so many of their bowlers who've been helping them win throughout the year, or maybe for the last 18 odd months, they're not there in a format like ODI, where you have to sustain your performance for so long. Afghanistan are obviously not the same force. 
that they are in T20s, but against Sri Lanka, if Afghanistan beats Sri Lanka, obviously their chances of going through will increase a lot. They are, yeah, because they're sort of unofficially posting this tournament. I think they have a lot more flexibility with how many players they have available. And it looks like they will need that flexibility because uh, I actually thought quite highly of Sri Lanka's chances coming into this tournament initially because even though they played a qualifier, but those are matches with real stakes on them and uh, they just blitzed everyone in there. And that wasn't a low-quality qualifier. Every side had their moments and uh, they, were, they were extremely impressive to me. But yeah, with the, especially with their bowling injuries, um, I'm, yeah, I'm beginning to struggle to see how deep Sri Lanka can go now. But they have home advantage. Qualifier games, like they have to be won. It's, you can't even say that, oh, it's against uh, smaller teams. Considering that West Indies was considered to be a bigger team, like they fell through. Sri Lanka, I would have been favourites had it not been for the injuries coming in. And like between the qualifiers and uh, the Asia Cup, uh, they had the two test matches against uh, Pakistan. And then they had an entire LPL where Hasavanga bossed it. And then he gets injured. You can make an entire fiver side with just the number of people that are missing out from Sri Lanka at this point. So it's it feels like the same 2022 vibe where if you do not know what you're going to get with them, right? And uh, just suddenly a run could happen and they could make it to the finals. Who knows? I've, I'm not sure if I would have agreed before the injuries also if they were among the favourites. I would still count India and Pakistan as among the favourites also because, again, going back to that group of deaths, one of the serious contenders, like Daniel said, could easily be knocked out. And India-Pakistan, 99% are going to make it to the Super Force. So, even a full-strength Sri Lanka, although I'm trying to remember if they had any injuries in the Asia Cup last year, in the T20 format, when they won it. But given the state of their squad right now, it has become... And of course, they'll be playing a lot of their matches uh, on their home ground. They're playing just one game in Pakistan, right? Initially? Yes, and then possibly a second, depending on... I yeah, think so. Yeah. Possibly a second in the Super Force. So I think, yeah, they'll have a lot of uh, young fast bowlers. They'll have their batsmen have not been their batters have not been in form in the last twelve months. And uh, Hasaranga is already out. At least he's out of the first few games. He might come on and play some of the games in the Super Force. Right now, I think I think things are looking really bleak for Sri Lanka. And hence again, Afghanistan's best chance. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just uh, it's just the history, right? Because I, f I feel like Sri Lanka somehow always find a way to turn up at the Asia Cup regardless of um, how things go. I think joint with India, they've obviously got the most titles. But then they've op always, even when it was just Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, they've always find, found a way to just devastate broadcasters by ensuring that we never have an India-Pakistan final at the Asia Cup. So um, you, just, you just never know um, with Sri Lanka in that sense. And in a way... Because Sri Lanka are good enough at maybe getting through against some of the so-called lesser teams, um, you know, you could easily find yourself in a scenario where Sri Lanka against Pakistan or Sri Lanka against India is sort of just like a semi-final to the Asia Cup. And then in those one-off games, sometimes you, you, you could have an upset even in ODI cricket. Sri Lanka at home, maybe it's spinning conditions, maybe, yeah, one of the spinners gets on a roll. You never know. But yeah, I think on paper, the injuries are a bit too much to cope with. That actually reminds me, one of the the other side of the coin to see in this is that we might get to see Mathish uh, Patirana bowl a lot in the ODIs. He's, he's been such a great force in T20s. We saw a lot of him in the IPL and the way he was bowling for CSK, his Yorkers. And if he can replicate even, you know, 70-80% of that skill and form, especially in the death overs for Sri Lanka, 
that'll be a great thing to come out for Sri Lanka, whether they win the Asia Cup or not. I mean, for whatever it's worth, even if it's a completely different squad, they are coming in on a 10-match win streak. And, you know, you can't really ask for too much more in terms of form than that. Yeah, unbeaten in the qualifiers. So, I wouldn't put it past them. Like, uh, talk, talking about the final team in that uh, group of death, right? It's Bangladesh. The only change is Shakib has come in to steady the ship, right? After the Tamim, will he, won't he, oh, he will, oh, but he can't play anyway saga that's happened, which we dissected, what, I think, two, three episodes ago on Stump Mike. So, Shakib has decided to take over and uh, he will captain for both the Asia Cup and the World Cup. There's this constant uh, feel about will this team reach its potential, right? And I like I feel time is running out on the old guard for this, right? Like this will be the last World Cup in all likelihood for uh, Tamim, Shakib, and uh, Mushfiqul, right? Uh, Tamim isn't playing the Asia Cup, so it's going to be Shakib and Mushfiqul's last time at the Asia Cup this time. So can they end on a high? The one other thing uh, apart from Tamim missing out is that. I think uh, Bangladesh were feeling a little left out. Everybody is giving their injury list. Uh, uh, and they said Ibadat Hussain is also out for us. We're not a full-strength squad. So it's not just Tamim missing out. And uh, of course, big shoes to fill for whoever opens in front. In uh, in place of Tamim, it might be Tamim, the other player who's come in as the replacement ah. for him. Two players uh, missing out, two big players missing out. How much it's going to hamper them against a team like India and Pakistan especially is what I would like to see later on. Can they really live up to their potential? How do you define Bangladesh's potential, I want to ask you? I, I leave it to Daniel. I'm skipping this. It's a question for Daniel. I really wanted to sit out the Bangladesh chat, but uh, the thing is, um, <laughs> I, I'm struggling to get excited about Bangladesh in any way, shape or form now, because it's almost like, especially in ODI cricket, you feel like they should be challenging a lot more than they are. And now you certainly have Afghanistan, who somehow on paper now seem like just a much more exciting, attractive team to watch. Partially because, like um, Vishal said, I, th- I think the old guards sort of lost sexiness a little bit as well. The, the sagas about the meme and Shakib kind of are wearing down. I mean, I picked the meme in the yeah my Asia Cup best 11 before I was told, no, no, just because he's retired doesn't mean, and not retired doesn't mean he's playing, he's injured. So I'm just, everyone's just sort of struggling to keep up. And then, of course, this year, I don't think they've had much ODI practice either. I think the old, they played just Afghanistan in the last six months. They lost that series. Yes, of course, there's an asterisk there because uh, there's that soap opera going on behind the scenes. Um, I just think, aside from the fact that there's all that drama, I, I just don't think they have enough of an X factor to really make a deep run. Yes, they might get out of that group because they're a solid side. But I don't think they have that X factor where you can see, okay, you know, that would really make a deep run or maybe a personality where they could get to the final. So I'm struggling with that. Um, the only player I, I I want to mention is, I think in the last year or so, I've really been impressed by Tuskin. Um, Bangladesh didn't have that culture of fast bowling that much. I think I spoke to, um, I've forgotten his name, they had a fast bowling coach from the West Indies, um, Dylan Hill, a while ago. And he said, yeah, um, Bangladesh didn't really have a fast bowling culture. They just had bowlers who didn't bowl spin and they used Otis to Gibson. Bowl. Yes, yeah, yeah. Otis Gibson. And he said he said they just had bowlers who didn't bowl spin and so they called them fast bowlers. So it's really scathing about what that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. I'm sorry I had to interrupt you. That's a great line. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was surprised by how candid he was. 
But yes, this is something that, as he said, he we wanted to change. And I think Tuskins embraced that more than most. He's bulked up. I feel like his base is a bit higher. He's even more physically imposing and aggressive sometimes, which I think Bangladesh fast bowlers perhaps have lacked in the past. So I think um, maybe there are certain things to work with and certain individual personalities um, uh, that could win them big moments. But whether that can win them big games or big uh, or get them through at certain crunch times, uh, I don't really see it for now. So like in the group of death, we have basically said that all three teams are flawed. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's less a group of death than it's really free for all. It can, anybody can come through at this point. And like if one misses out, then we can easily point to the spot and be like, yeah, this is exactly why they missed out. Yeah, um, that does make it fun though, because obviously with ODIs, you have these flawed sides. But uh, yeah, I think I, 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 when I was doing the other part, like I said, um, uh, everyone had their picks. Isam obviously he picked Bangladesh to win the tournament. Um, I, 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 you know, we had like this banter pick or this bad pick amnesty, and I said, well, I think, I think maybe it could be a, it could perhaps even be a Pakistan Afghanistan final. So I'm betting big on that was shortly before they got boiled out for 59. But that's, uh, I'm, <laughs> but I'm definitely going to go with Afghanistan as a team that I want to watch from that group more than any other. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, th- I think we're not at predictions yet. But yes, um, I'd advise any Bangladesh fans to mute me when we come to it. <laughs> so you jinxed Afghanistan and you did it at the right stage just before <laughs> the Asia Cup. 59 all out is done and dusted. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> done and dusted, out of the way. Two players, actually, I just wanted to mention because there's so many uh, stories and videos going up on Crick Info and maybe everywhere else also, that two players from from Bangladesh that have come into the squad, we come to their nicknames in a bit. The first one is Tanzid Hassan, who is a left-handed batter, an opening batter who has come in to the squad in place of Tamim Iqbal. Whether he plays in the 11 or not, he, who knows, Mohamed Naim might open with Litam Das. And his nickname is Tamim. So Tamim is actually in the Asia Cup squad. We were all <laughs> wrong in a way. The other player, because of Ibadat Hussain's uh, injury, who is coming to the squad, is Tanzim Hassan. The first was Tanzid, and this is Tanzim Hassan. And even though he's not an all-rounder, or might be all-rounder, I don't know. I don't know much about him. He's a right-arm quick, and his nickname is Sakib. So two Sakibs in the squad, and. Want Tamim in the squad and still Daniel is not rooting for them. That is, that is useful trivia. I'm not sure how far they get. Coming into uh, India, right? Uh, there's not much left to discuss. Uh, like anyone that has been listening to Stumpmike over the last couple of weeks will know that uh, we have. Uh, dissected and analyzed and overanalyzed everything to do with Indian cricket in ODIs like what over the last two three weeks yeah and uh, the only change or the only confirmation that comes in is uh, we're not going to have KL Rahul for the group games yeah right and uh, apart from that there's not much I can say about the Indian team that's not been said already seems like a solid squad people are coming in together the training camp apparently ends today on it's what 29th yeah and uh, the team will travel to Sri Lanka very soon. All the India-Pakistan players say before an India-Pakistan match, we are treating it just like like just another match. And then the winning team after the match says, this was the biggest match of our life. Obviously, this was the match we were waiting for, for throughout our career and all that. So, 
we can't expect much from india press conferences maybe but uh, yeah we've discussed most of it in the last couple of episodes there are the usual questions and the uh, the kinks you would want to iron out in the middle order how will bumra come out in the death overs especially or bowling 10 overs one match after the other fielding also for all 50 overs which he hasn't done in more than a year so yeah nothing extraordinary to point out for india and kl rahul's uh, injury he's recovering and i think ajit agarkar the chief selector had also mentioned that in the press conference about uh, a week or 10 days ago that kl rahul was unlikely for the first two games which means that india were already prepared for it that uh, ishan kishan is going to play one thing i would be interested in seeing is where will they play ishan kishan he's been scoring a lot at the top will he play in the middle order lot of questions so but tiny questions for the indian dressing room if i could ask a couple of questions now that i've got you guys um first of all first of all um so i see a lot of this on twitter and i don't know if i'm qualified to um express an opinion on this but especially during the west indies series which i think especially the t20s but even the odis were kind of underwhelming for india they obviously didn't have a full strength side but yeah i mean they lost more games than i think most people were expecting them to a lot of criticism has been directed the way of rahul dravid and i've just wondered how fair or unfair you guys think that is from what i've seen it's just that i think there's an expectation in india that uh, they should be winning more games they should be more dominant than they have than they have been and now dravid is being at the helm for long enough that if he hasn't made a difference then maybe he is part of the problem is that fair or is that not fair you reckon oh what do you think he hasn't been uh... I don't think he's been as much control of the team I'm talking about the duration the way Kohli and uh, Shastri were Rohit when he took over the captaincy I think was just after Rahul Dravid became the coach but Rohit himself has been injured in some format or the other he didn't play a lot of the WTC matches and of course they are different formats but spending time with the same core is something every coach would want especially with the captain right behind you or around you so of course the criticism is a lot is is a, is very exaggerated because people just wanted to step step down even before a world cup that's how i read it in a couple of tweets but his contract ends during the world cup sorry uh, right after the world cup his contract is till the world cup i think the best way to gauge or assess his tenure will be to see how the asia cup goes and how the world cup goes he himself has been saying in a lot of press conferences in the lead up to these tournaments that the west indies series the uh, even the island series like it was being they were being used to see how they really build up in these two tournaments and how they put their pieces together so even if you lose a few games you're not going to whitewash every team no matter who you play among the top 10 or 12 teams so you lose a few games that's always a part of the game and you try out new players how those really come together in the asia cup and world cup should decide you know how many stars out of 10 you want to give him as a rating and one more quick thing um because obviously like i said india plays against so many teams they have to contractual obligations that sort of thing and so they also have to rest players because indian cricketers play more cricket than maybe anyone else is there a sense that the india odi side is less settled than it should be as in does dravid or maybe do even the fans do they know what india's best odi 11 is so close to a world cup or is the uncertainty there i think the uncertainty is primarily because of injuries kl rahul has not played since the ipl 
Shreyas Iyer also did not play in the IPL. Kail Rahul at least started the IPL when he was the captain of Lucknow Super Giants. So the fact that you know two prime players, one a wicketkeeper batter, one a solid number four who is such a good player of spin, especially in Indian conditions where the World Cup is going to be played, spin conditions again in Sri Lanka where the Asia Cup, sorry, not just Sri Lanka, Pakistan and Sri Lanka where the Asia Cup is going to be played, where India's matches are going to be played is what I meant. He's a really important batter for India. Those two have not been a part of the India squad for so many months. You can't, you, you didn't even know whether they're going to play the World Cup. And right now also, uh, the Asia Cup will really tell us how, they, how those two are going to perform. Batting in 50-over format is so different from 20-overs. And of course, India's number one bowler, Jaspreet Bumrah, was also out of the squad. They all haven't played. Bumrah hasn't played for more than a year. So, if your three top players are missing, there is going to be uncertainty. Nothing else around it. And what, it's also related to that point you said, Daniel, that the the real importance that an ODI format gets is just six months before the World Cup, right? It's all about the T20 World Cups are also more frequent these days. There's one coming up next year. As soon as this World Cup ends, the ODI one, all the focus will, will turn to that. So the fact that the scheduling is like that, the fact that IPL goes on so uh, in such a robust manner in India every year, it's pretty obvious that the T20 team is going to be is going to look stronger on paper. And if these injuries were not there, I'm pretty sure these things would not have been said about the Indian team. I, I would say the only thing that's uh, not settled would be the nerves because the team hasn't played together uh, at full strength in a very long time. Right. Uh, and uh, if there were no injuries, the team picks itself. There is absolutely no doubt about what the 11 is going to look like. Right. Uh, the only uh, change now, like the conversation has shifted from who is number four to uh, what sort of all-rounder do you play? Like, do you play a, like uh, Shardul Thakur or do you play an Akshar Patel? Like, that's what it comes down to at this point, based yeah, on conditions. Tiny questions in the of to, to your first point about like Rahul Dravid uh, getting some stick, it's the Indian cricket team. They get stick for everything. Like, you can't please everybody firstly. Right. And uh, uh, at least... If India do lose a series and they take away something positive from it, that's a better learning than India just losing a series and wondering what to do, right? And even at the points where India fell short in the West Indies series, you could tell where they fell short and uh, if the full squad does come in, it's going to work out properly. So, like that just leaves us with one more team, right? That's Nepal, right? Out of all of, we have discussed five teams thoroughly and... uh, like Nepal sadly will not be playing at the World Cup, right? They are a force to reckon with. On their day, they has like they have beaten Scotland and Namibia in that incredible run of eleven wins out of twelve games before they got into the qualifiers. Is uh, is there a chance of an upset here? Uh, with uh, like they're going to be playing two games, right? You mentioned we're doing raw predictions. Um, uh, my teaser is that when we do raw predictions, mine involves Nepal basically. But yes, that's that's kind of the big. The big opportunity that a team like Nepal has in a group like this, right? Um, you beat one team and then there's a very good chance that one result goes your way and you're certainly the next round. 
But then, see, in all seriousness, that's probably unlikely simply because of the teams they play and the step. You know, because you mentioned they won 11 out of 12 games, had that amazing run, went through to the World Cup qualifiers. But in cricket, these incremental gaps are so big. So between that, after that 11 out of 12 run, they run into teams like even Zimbabwe and Sri Lanka. And uh, you could immediately tell the difference in quality that, that existed. And this is going to be perhaps one step up when now they play India and Pakistan. So I think in that sense, the chances of them beating anyone are obviously remote. But uh, these are the sorts of games that uh, lots of teams don't get the opportunity to play. They have, they, they are playing two of the best teams in the world, two of the tournament contenders. Um, they are actually in Pakistan right now. They're in Multan. They play the only game that uh, is going to be held in Multan. And yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a big occasion for them regardless. And I, I, I am aware that sounds slightly patronizing. But yes, obviously... Um, uh, Nepal, if they're playing in the Asia Cup, they're playing in a tournament that's unlike the World Cup that's actually been expanding gradually over the dead years. Um, and yeah, six teams are in Asia Cup, Nepal playing the two best teams. I, 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 think, I think they won't have any complaints either about the format or how these things pan out. It's just because they, they are going to be playing on two of the biggest stages, really. Yeah, so we, we don't have, since we don't get to watch so many Nepal matches, I was just going through how many matches they won this year. How many matches they've played and they've actually won 15 of the 20 ODIs they've played this year. So then I went a little bit deeper and saw that, you know, they have beaten teams like UAE multiple times, PNG, Namibia, and even Scotland for that matter, apart from Oman and USA. But when they played Ireland just once, they lost. When they played the Netherlands, they lost. When they played West Indies and Zimbabwe, again, they lost. And these are all teams which are ranked, which are ranked much lower than India and Pakistan, obviously, uh, in the ranking system, or whether you see how the teams stack up on paper when it comes to squad strength and chances. So that question can be answered very easily, whether they can really beat India or Pakistan or not. But it also feels like the gulf between India, Pakistan and Nepal is a lot bigger than, let's say, a Scotland, Ireland, Netherlands, or any of the other associate nations. Ireland is not an associate, but uh, how they are seen as a separate uh, separate tier of teams from the top six, seven teams in the world. It's also the question of the format, right? If this was T20I, then uh, it can be anybody's match on any given day. Like an ODI match where everyone has to bowl 10, 10 overs and like 100 overs of play. Like eventually the better team will always like get to Win. I think in, when, the, when it comes to the formatting, I would think the best way to give a team like Nepal or the third team in a Pakistan-India group the cha- a chance is to actually have the Pakistan-India game first and then have that game be an eliminator for the loser of the Pakistan-India game because maybe yeah. that puts a little more pressure on that side not to lose due to whoever the underdog. I remember this again. Do you remember maybe an ODI Asia Cup five or six years ago when India nearly lost to Hong Kong because I think they struck together a 200-run partnership um, in a semi-low scoring game, but then obviously India pulled it back. So I think those sorts of occasions where you can only rely on pressure because you cannot rely on equality in terms of uh, the, co- the the ability that both sides have. And yeah, it's cricket. So yes, funny things happen. Uh, they don't happen as frequently in ODI cricket as T20 cricket. But, uh, you know, um, uh, <laughs> the games aren't played on paper. Who knows?
It's a good suggestion, Daniel. Do you want to send it to the Asian Cricket Council? I can send you a contact. I have nothing. I don't want to have anything to do with the Asian Cricket Council. <laughs> Uh, selector acting's up, right? Uh, what's one outlandish prediction that each of y'all have? Uh, I think we are going to see at least two Nadian dancers at uh, the Asia Cup. Yeah, two is not that outlandish. Well said. <laughs> okay, fine. Three. Is that because Bangladesh will only play two games? <laughs> no, it's only Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, right? So. B- ah yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. So you need that many occasions in the game to perform the Nadian dance. Oh. So we actually need a Bangladesh-Sri Lanka final as well. The way we have been counting how many India-Pakistan matches can happen, we now need to count how many Bangladesh-Sri Lanka can happen for the knocking dances. Outside the box, what do you think is going to outside happen? The box. I think while staying in the box, I'll make an outside-the-box prediction that Afghanistan will play the final. I predicted um, in our Asia Cup part Afghanistan to win the whole tournament. So I think I'm... So I... Oh, damn. I need to change mine then. So I think I think I should stick with that. What I found amazing was I think has there only ever been one Asia Cup where Sri Lanka hasn't made the final? I thought that was amazing in forty years. I think that's because there's never been a Pakistan India final. Um, there was a Pakistan Bangladesh final I think once, which Pakistan yeah about eleven years ago. But I think Sri Lanka are always there. So just simply saying Sri Lanka won't be there feels like an outlandish prediction. Daniel is just hating on Sri Lanka because they're actually hosting the Asia Cup. <laughs> That's the underlying tone of this whole part so far. No, Pakistan Sri Lanka are the only two sides in the stuff where they actually get along. Let's hope we get more uh, proper, uh, what do you call, preambles to world tournaments going forward, right? Like it's not long we're discussing Asia Cup to death, right? It's very... Uh, like it's a very recent phenomenon right? don't discuss it at all yeah because it, it's happening just before the World Cup this time and last year also just to keep expectations in check uh, I think the weather for that India-Pakistan day in Sri Lanka isn't great it's supposed to rain all afternoon so yeah I mean the monsoon season South Asia you never know but for now the weather doesn't look like it's great so watch out yeah. we'll see we'll see uh, the well is just like Throwing in as many barbs as you can, like <laughs> under the. You know, I, have, radar, I, so that... I just want to say the weather in Lahore is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Lahore, Multan, Pindi, anywhere, come anywhere. The weather is great. Yeah, you've got dry grounds here. <laughs> thank you, Daniel, and thank you, Vishal, for uh, joining Stampank on the Asia Cup preview. Uh, if you like what you listen to, do leave a review on Apple Reviews. It takes the podcast forward, or leave a rating on uh, Spotify. Uh, That's it from Stampine this week. See you soon. Mm